Page fright is recorded on the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Page Fright. My name is Andrew French. I'm on Twitter at TheAndrewFrench, and this, of course, is the world's first podcast that I host. I am back here at my desk recording this intro um, about a week or two after speaking with Tolu Olorontoba, who's today's guest. And as usual, I've been thinking a lot about what Tolu said. Um, Tolu is a very sweet person. Um, I've only just met him, but he seems to be very insightful about the spiritual aspects of poetry as a practice. And this has been something I've been thinking about for the past few weeks uh, in a little bit more detail and trying to think about, you know, getting more in touch with how I'm feeling when I'm writing and, you know, getting back to writing in general. Uh, And so Tolu, thank you for uh, helping inspire this kind of pursuit and this, this, series of thoughts that I've been going through in the past few weeks. I've really enjoyed exploring these things. Um, I want to jump into the episode pretty quickly here, and just before I jump into a description of who Tolu is, in case you're wondering, I will note that there is a content warning on the third poem in this episode, the last poem at the end of the interview, um, for suicide. So if that is something that could be potentially triggering to you, I just suggest to skip through that poem. Um, should be pretty straightforward to do. There's that button at the bottom that I hope you've never pressed before um, that skips ahead 15 seconds if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're on. Um, So just note that, please. Um, But as I promised, I will get into Tolu's bio here, a particularly creative bio that I'm very excited to read to you. Tolu Olorontoba has tried and abandoned or failed at a variety of things. As a teenager, he worked hard at becoming a comic book artist and fantasy author. This was before going to medical school at 18, which dried out those dreams. Besides, he didn't consider himself particularly good at either. He practiced medicine for six years and lived in Nigeria and the United States before moving to Canada. He has somehow not abandoned poetry since he started to write it at 16 and had his debut collection of poetry, The Hunta of Happenstance, published in May of this year with Palimpsest Press. It is very good and also the subject, of course, of today's episode. These days, Tolu manages virtual health projects in British Columbia and lives with his partner and two young children in so-called Surrey, BC, in territories of the Semiamu, Katsi, and Kwantlen First Nations. Here I am chatting with Tolu Olorum. Welcome back to Page Fright. Today I am talking with Tolu Olorontoba. Tolu, how's it going? Doing very well, Andrew. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. Oh, I'm good. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, It's a Sunday morning. No better way to kick off a Sunday than to talk about poems. Uh, And today that's exactly what we're going to be doing. I'm really excited to talk to you because I did just hear you read earlier this week um, at a poetry event in a park that Rob Taylor organized. So thank you, Rob, if you're listening. Um, But yeah, I'm so excited to talk about your poetry. So thank you very much for being here. Thanks. The pleasure is mine, uh, Andrew. I'm really glad to be here. 
Awesome. Um, so before we jump into me asking you all sorts of questions about your book, I am wondering if I could get you to read a poem for us to get anybody who might not be familiar with your work a little bit more acquainted. Sure. Uh, I, the first poem I'll be reading is called Under Thunder. So here it goes. Under Thunder. Where does the ripping cord of my unraveling wardrobe catch and billow? I consider tensile strength as I hug my mother, a little more slack in my arms, my sister careening from glass blowers, brightest at her most brittle, the sudden flare of spirit before the break of 40 watt bulbs under thunder. The mediocre frost of this aged winter precipitates a memory of drums and plastic lines throats expectant beneath the asbestos wheels for rain and decantation from corrugated silts and worms that always found the harvest. How did I forget? I consider semantic search. I scour years of vagrancy, the 10 moves of the last nine and scotomata hose over my vision of the Honda laden with drinking kegs as we sped from that decade. Awesome. Uh, so totally, this is one of my favorite poems from your book. Um, I guess just lightning round elevator pitch. Could you tell us a little <laughs> bit about your book here? Oh, well, uh, it's a book I wrote between, I guess, 2017 and uh, 29, early 2019. Uh, so uh, it was the interval between when I, I lived in the States and when I moved to Canada. So it was a period of... Uh, great uh, instability and upheaval. Um, it was also a period where I um, started to seek help, uh, uh, sorry, seek help for my mental health. Um, so a lot of that uh, turmoil, uh, a lot of that um, sense of instability makes it into the book. And a lot of what I was doing in those poems, I, I imagine, was uh, trying to work out what all of that meant to me. Um, uh, you know, trying to solve the equations that life was throwing at me, I guess. Um, and inadvertently, of course, uh, a lot of my history before that point, or a lot of my viewpoints at that point, um, you know, made it into the book as the raw materials with which I was able to process um, what was happening and what I imagined would happen, uh, or what I hoped would happen, or what I wished didn't happen. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, uh, so it's, uh, in, in a word, I, I would say it's, um, it, it's me grappling with uh, notions of conflict, uh, different kinds of conflict, uh, you know, um, turmoil within oneself, um, historical slash colonial uh, turmoil and violence, um, what, I, what I perceive to be, you know, conflict in society today, things that aren't quite as they should be. Um, uh, you know, this is my attempt to, uh, to 
solve some of those, at least for myself. Now, that's a bit long for an elevator pitch. But, uh... <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> no, I love it. Uh, and I think that's that's such a great way of describing the book, too. I think there's such a cool sense of uncertainty here that I think you, you find often in poetry, but you can kind of go two ways when you're writing or reading a poem. And, and that's sort of, you know, knowing and portraying what is going on and what is being thought through as a speaker in a poem um, versus what I feel your poems do a bit more of, which is almost a searching. Um, and it's it's really, really nice to, to read that sort of thing and navigate that uncertainty with the speaker um, in, in these poems. So I really, really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, one of the things I wanted to talk about was mental health, which you just mentioned. Um, and I always ask writers who talk about mental health on this show, um, a little bit about kind of writing the intangible, because I think mental health is such a difficult thing to write about in that it does manifest itself through tangible things. Um, but also it's a very large abstract concept that can be very difficult to pin down with language. Yeah. Um, and so how do you overcome that challenge um, in writing this book or generally in your writing? Well, I, I think uh, the way I navigate the world, at least the way I have navigated the world for the last um, 15 years, give or take, is uh, extreme uncertainty. Um, what mental health challenges do to people often is that what 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 were the pillars of the world what were the uh, unassailable truths of the world become shaken um and 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 when those foundations are shaken anything really is open to reinterpretation um mm. I, I i have really run with that um i i allow myself to to question things um I, I catch myself very often in my in my poetry asking questions. Almost in every poem, there's a rhetorical question that I'm asking. Um, I think I'm asking different questions now, meaning that you know some of those questions have morphed into better questions or different questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't have full answers, but but I, I think <laughs> as you said, that searching is. Um, is an essential part, I think, of figuring out how to live well, uh, how to understand one's place in the world, um, how to uh, conduct oneself, um, how to write toward the light, as it were, um, especially if one is in a dark place mentally. Um, and so I, I embrace the uh, the formlessness, the uh, ambiguity of of, of life and poetry, um, I feel it's a, it's a great way to proceed. I think science is like that as well. Uh, we will always have more questions than answers. I think that's the way our reality is, is, is structured. So, you know, whatever answers you get will give you more questions and you can continue to follow that thread into more and more knowledge. Hmm. I really like this this way of looking at it. And you mentioned science there too. And I, I have to bring up the fact that you were previously, uh, I mean, you still are in a very scientific profession outside of poetry. And so I wanted to ask a little bit about how that might impact your style of writing. Well, I guess the vocabulary stays with you. Uh, I, I, I attended med school for six years. I I then practiced medicine as a general practitioner for six years. 
um, a lot of that uh, a lot of that knowledge stays with you you know that learning about um, how things work on a cellular level or on a systemic level or, or, or on a societal level when it comes to things like public health etc um, and also of course you know the Latinate roots of a lot of our um, terms in, in, in the health sciences um, helps helps one navigate the roots, the etymology of a lot of words. Um, and so, you know, I can sometimes draw parallels between terms, you know, that I've encountered in my medical education and, uh, you know, similar terms in English. And it helps me, I guess, unpack things in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that my time in healthcare made me very aware of the fragility of life, um, and um, the 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 frequent futility of life. Um, so it made me something of a of a of a pessimist almost. But but also you know just that awareness of the precarity of um, of anything, especially human existence. Um, that awareness ha- has followed me and follows me into my poems. Um, and I just continue to, you know, meditate on them. Yeah. And you mentioned there too, kind of, uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask about, and, um, I guess even just tell you as a reader recounting their experience with your book, um, was that oftentimes, I was almost overwhelmed by your grasp of language. And what I mean by that is, Tolu, you use some fancy words in here. Uh, and I, <laughs> and not I, deliberately. No, maybe not. But at times I, I am, you know, looking things up, learning new words along the way. It was, it was a really interesting experience as a reader um, who typically, um, admittedly, I am one of the people who gravitates towards language I am comfortable with and understand and know. And so to be reading your book was a little bit of a different experience for me in that sense that I was looking things up, I was starting to understand new words with new meaning, um, these sorts of things. And it was really cool as a reader to to go through that too, um, and that experience. And it's interesting that you say that's like unintentional too. Um, I think that even just suggests the significant grasp you have of language, um, which might even stem from from your previous experiences, right? As you were just saying, I, I found that so interesting as a reader. And um, even too, like we were talking about, um, you know, your medical background. And I think the imagery in a lot of these poems too, comes from medical experiences and medical settings, um, which is a really interesting combination with mental health, especially, but also a lot of the other themes that your poems explore, I find, or I found it was a really interesting way of kind of getting at um, the things that you're talking about in here. So it was a really different experience for me as a reader, but one that I really enjoyed because it was kind of this refreshing experience for somebody who, as I said, I, I tend to gravitate towards the things I understand and the experiences and language I know. Um, so it was very cool to, to read your poems and and here you read them too the other day as well. Um, I found it so interesting to do that. Thanks. Uh, uh, thank you. I, I do find sometimes though that uh, when I have to pause too too frequently while reading a book to to uh, to check the dictionary, it sort of breaks the flow. Uh, and you know the feedback you gave me is feedback I received. You know regarding this book as well, and that's why I said it was unintentional. I was just uh, you know uh, speaking the things that you know, 
impressed themselves upon me. Uh, so I wasn't trying to be obscure. Uh, and, and, I, and I certainly want to be accessible to the reader, right? That's, that's, that's the reason why we share our work. We're not trying to be mm-hmm. opaque or, or mysterious. Uh, <laughs> of course. You know, so, so you know, it, it is feedback that I, 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 I think I want to in, incorporate into, into my further writing. Uh, I want to invite the reader in and not, you know, lock them out. Uh, so it is something I'm working on. Yeah, well, I don't I don't mean it in that I was alienated in some way. I just meant as in like, you know, I found it a really cool way of seeing the world through a very different perspective from my own in some senses. Uh, in that like, the way that you would describe things and the way that you would think of things um, was just so different from the way that I could appreciate and see the experiences that I've had, um, let's say with mental health, because I think that's common ground um, for you and I, in that I've had a ton of experiences with mental health myself um, and through people I know. But um, I find the way that you, that you, I guess, convey these things, portray them, um, was so cool to me because I, I hadn't thought to think of them in the ways that you did with some of the imagery. Um, again, I, I mentioned coming from your medical background, but also just generally your imagery um, was so impressive to me and so cool to me because it was all ways of thinking of things that I hadn't thought of. And so often that's what causes me to appreciate poets and their work um, is that new um, sort of fresh way of considering the world around them. So I don't mean to say that I was particularly alienated. I think there was definitely a learning curve for me, um, but I don't think I was necessarily isolated from the work in any way. Um, I definitely still came to senses of understanding and drew meaning from what you're writing, which I think is the goal. I don't know. Um, it is the goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't mean to say that it, that it took away at all from my reading of your work. In fact, I think it enhanced it. Um, it was, it was just a very different experience. For Thank me. you. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, uh, uh, I, I think, you know, once work is done, of course, when, uh, it, once work is done, if, if they can help the reader um, see the world uh, differently, if if they can uh, if they can help the the reader share their viewpoint or or, or their perspective, even if only for a moment, uh, I I think that would be the success that could come from writing. Uh, mm. So I consider that high praise. Thank you. Oh yeah, of course. Um, we are a little bit into our episode and this is typically around the time where I'll bring in my question from my last guest for you. So Tolu, I have a question for you from Brandon Wint, who was my last guest. Um, Brandon is wondering what you are aspiring to emotionally, intellectually, aesthetically, etc. in your writing. That's a big one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, what does anyone aspire to in their work? Mm. Uh, but let me let me let me give that a shot. I think my writing is an inquiry. Um, I'm trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a kind of research, uh, metaphysical research, if you will in which there's a lot about the world, there's a lot about existence, there's a lot about 
uh, sentience, you know, being a conscious being with agency in the, in the cosmos, uh, being a, a person in, 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 in a chaotic world that, that there's a lot about these things that are, um, that are very confusing and, and not very obvious. Um, and so I'm always asking why, um, I'm always asking why, why, why this, uh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to say those are the big questions, right. That we still don't have answers for, you know, why are we here? Uh, and of course in, in, in more recent human history, why are we so terrible? Um, um, why am I the way that I am? Um, how did we get here? I, I, I feel these are questions that I, that I, that I grapple with, especially in, uh, as, as we call it, late stage capitalism. Um, and, I, and I feel that what I would like to be able to do is to use myself as a sort of a lab hmm. um, for researching the human experience and to share that. Uh, the hypothesis here is that um, there is a thread of similarity between all humans and mm-hmm. that if I am faithful to my research, I am faithful in my inquiry, that will translate to um, the experience of others. Um, and so I don't have any firm answers, <laughs> uh, but, but, but that's my poetry on a macro level. But on, on a mm-hmm. micro level, um, I, I'm writing for myself. I'm writing to find solace. Um, I'm writing for those little hits of dopamine when I complete a poem or uh, uh, when I can extract uh, the negative emotions and thoughts that I'm feeling and, and put them on a page or when I can describe uh, my chaotic interior, um, usually I'm not trying to, um, at, at that micro level, I'm not approaching it as a researcher. I'm just trying to be a faithful scribe of my experience Hmm. Um, and it helps me, uh, you know, uh, incredibly it, it helps me. Uh, and so I, I continue to do it primarily as, um, a solve for myself, hmm. but I, I, I find that if I take a step back, the scope or the breadth of the work also says something about the history and trajectory of the world mm. and um you know uh it's incredibly validating that some people want to read this <laughs> but <laughs> but but i would be fine if no one did that's what mm. i'm trying to say uh, the primary objective of my writing is being achieved in my writing it mm-hmm. um everything else is a lovely bonus um, that I'm grateful for as well, of course. Yeah, so there's a lot of things going on here. So um, first off, perhaps the aspiration then is if not to a sense of understanding, then at least a record of searching for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's what I get from these poems and I get from your answer as well. 
Um, but I also really like that you've kind of got things working on two levels here and that there is this personal sense of I write these poems so that, you know, I enjoy the writing process. I'm able to start to figure things out maybe or just open more questions even. Um, and so there are these personal benefits that come from it. But also in a larger sense, you're asking these larger questions. Um, you came yeah. to why. Why am I the way I am? Why do things work the way they do? These sorts of questions are being asked in your work. And I find that so interesting too, because these are things that I picked up on a little bit as a reader in that there's always these two levels of, I guess, communication or thought that are firing away in your poems. And and so I really enjoyed this because at once you're asking um, smaller questions, specific questions about specific images in these poems. Um, and you're also asking larger questions about why the world works the way it does. And I think that was something that was so interesting to me, both as a reader and a writer, because as a reader, it's super interesting to think about these things simultaneously and have them juxtaposed against each other. But as a writer, it's something that I think a lot of writers aspire to be able to do. And I found you did it so effectively in your work that I was just absolutely taken by some of these poems. Um, most of these poems, all of these poems, I really enjoyed them. Um, so it, it was very, very cool to see somebody asking these questions and writing in a way that I think um, we're talking about aspirations, writing in a way I think maybe I aspire to write in. Um, you know, there are some differences in your style and, and the way that I write and the way I think about things, as I've mentioned, but like the things that you're getting at and the thoughts you're processing and um, the way that you get at them is so interesting to me um, and so respectable to me. So I really enjoyed reading your book. Um, this is, I guess, another plug. There will be many throughout the interview for listeners to go out and buy this book because it's actually very, very good. Um, the Hunter of Happenstance, it's out with Palimpsest. Um, so please go buy it. That's my, my mid-interview plug. Um, <laughs> and thanks, Andrew. Uh, I, I do appreciate you know your your, your very kind uh, and you know generous words. Uh, speaking of aspiration, I, I mean I, I do aspire to write like you as well. I, I was reading some of your poems, and and it, it instantly brought to mind the um, very strong sense of place that uh, a poet like Mark Strand, for instance, evokes, in which um, you know the reader. It, it, it is is placed in that atmospheric poem, uh, and and is able to directly, you know, intuit what the speaker is feeling, um, and you know, there's just that placidity that I envy. I, I haven't been able to, you know, achieve that kind of placidity because I'm a very anxious person, so my poems tend to. <laughs> turbulent I, I to me as far as i'm concerned so i you know i really do appreciate that in, in in your poems as well so i guess um you know it's that exchange that happens when you read the work of others and and, and you see things that uh you know uh move you and, and that you appreciate and, and you sort of try to write toward because you 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 recognize it as 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 um as as beautiful yeah. Um, first off, I am uh, very, I guess, grateful that you took time to read my work. I don't think a lot of people do that. So that's incredibly cool. Um, also, I worry too when I'm writing. This is probably the part of the show where I get into confessing my fears about my own writing, which happens almost every episode. Um, but I I worry often that my, my poems um, and my thoughts and the way I write can be too specific. 
So the fact that you appreciated that is very nice to hear for me. <laughs> because no, I, that, it, that I, yeah. I, I don't consider them too specific. For instance, I was thinking about, you know, the, the poem about, uh, you know, that, that spoke a little bit about roadkill. Uh, it was... It, it was it was a grand statement about grief. I mean, in as much as it was a specific statement, uh, you know, juxtaposing uh, the death of two specific animals, uh, you know, um, you know, with the death of a person that the speaker was speaking about, I, I, I feel it made a broader statement about navigating grief. So, I mean, if it helps, I, I don't think that um, your poems are too. Um, uh, I don't feel your poems have tunnel vision at all or that are, that are too specific. I, I feel strongly that fidelity to one's poetic vision makes a poem expansive. As, as long as you're being honest, um, as mm. honest as you can be and doing a, a, as good a job as you can do in each poem, I, I think the poem would do well in, in, in the world or, or at least for its own self. Yeah, that means a lot to hear too, especially coming from you, because as I was just saying, that was one of the things I really appreciated in your writing was that there is a sense of specificity to the imagery and the situations in which these poems arise or from which these poems arise. Um, but then, as you said, there is that macro level, that that larger understanding and larger statements that I think um, is exactly what I was trying to say. Maybe I didn't get it right, but I was trying to say I aspire to um, and that I see in your writing and really appreciate. So that's very, very cool. Um, thank you so much for saying that. That's that's very cool. Um, we are probably about halfway through. Um, so Tolu, could I ask you to read another poem for us? Sure, let me just flip over there. Um... Next poem I'm going to be reading is called Amplitude. A coy cracked earth, a zip line, a thoracic riptide, the emptiness below my crab corset, the need for more spine to consist around, less war, harder word, pacify, lithium law, iron saw. The first line of warm cast retracts me from the earth. I find a word, ads, on the ground. It is mine now. You have heard said, you shall not kill in cities of refuge, forming necklaced avengers of blood. You remain improbable around this clatter of smiles, discussing death, hacking after inner man. Very cool. So I wanted to ask about um, one specific part of this poem that I had underlined when I was reading through. Um, and that is the stanza um, in which you find a word on the ground and write, it is mine now. I really like this. Um, be and I think the reason I like this so much is that, um, you know, this comes a few pages into your book. And, and by this point, I think I was probably starting to collect language in the way that you're directly writing it here um, for myself as a reader. Because as I mentioned, there were, you know, some terms and things that I had to look up and think through. Um, and so I really like this, but I wanted to ask how you came to this, um, finding a word on the ground and claiming it as your own. I really like this. Uh, thanks. I, 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 th I think that sometimes when you uh, move through the world and, and you encounter um, a meme, uh, looking at the, the, the initial meaning of a meme as a, you know, a, 
a subset of meaning that mm. almost has its own agency. It wants to survive. It wants to be transmitted from person to person. Uh, it, it wants to proper, propagate itself. Uh, and I think words work like that sometimes. Sometimes you encounter words and they become, um, they attach themselves to you. And you can then use them to do things. You can use them to understand things. And if you look at an ads, you know, as, as a tool, an implement, a weapon, um, a word could be like that as well. Um, so arising from the ground, you know, one could, even in an abased state or even in a, in a low state, you could find things that are uh, useful for uh, navigating the world. I, I wrote this poem uh, after reading uh, Kamal Brathwaite's um, Arrivance trilogy. Um, and he had just a majestic uh, way of describing the world um, that I, I instantly identified with. And so I, I would say I wrote it under that influence um, I don't know exactly how my brain draws associations, uh, but I, I, I believe that is the environment in which that was um, created. Hmm. I, I like this. And uh, that image or that, uh, that stanza, I guess, really stuck with me. Um, but I also, I didn't bring up the fact that I had another line underlined in the first poem that you read, um, where you wrote, I consider semantic search. And so um, this idea of using words, searching for words, trying to find meaning through language um, is prevalent in your writing, or at least in these two poems, um, and was something that I really enjoyed in reading your work too. Um, so it's kind of cool that those lines spoke to each other from the two poems you read. That's a nice little coincidence, or maybe you planned it. I don't know. I um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna read that smart. But but. but. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. I I really like that idea, and um, yeah, just this this sense of coming to words in different ways based on your own personal experience, I think is such a, a cool thing to think through. Um, and it comes up at multiple points, obviously, as uh, I've hopefully just proven with my two examples in this book. Um, and so I found that super interesting too. Um, but I would be kind of making a mistake, I think, if I didn't bring up some other themes that are in this book. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, you talked about being between kind of America and Canada at the point of writing this book. Um, and so there is a sort of theme of immigration as well as almost, I don't know if displacement is the word, but um, maybe a lack of, um, well, a lack of placement. I don't know how to describe it. You can probably do it a lot more justice than I can. Um, but I do feel that that was a really cool um, aspect of this book too was that um, you know some some poems and some books are set against a very specific backdrop um, uh, you know a rural setting specifically um, an urban setting specifically <laughs> horrible examples but um, very specific backdrops where I found that these poems can move between space um, more than likely depending on who the reader is um, and so I wanted to kind of ask about that 
both um, how this theme manifests itself in that sense of, of um, lacking place or lacking um, space, as well as how it may manifest itself in your language and the way that you approach writing these poems. Yeah, I think displacement is uh, is the right word. It's a uh, it's it's a very accurate word for uh, how I have lived on this world uh, these these thirty six years. Um, I sometimes think to myself that I'm grateful that I wasn't um, a popular kid when I was growing up in Nigeria. Uh, I always felt. Uh, like an outsider, even when I lived in my own country. Mm. Um, so I, I don't feel I was ever fully socialized into the society that I grew up in uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, so, you know, so I grew up uh, a loner. Um, I, I always felt, yeah, there might have been something wrong with me. Um, but, you know, I, I feel that a lot of migrants or immigrants get a a massive culture shock when they move to another country. Mine was easier because I'm already used to being insular. I'm, or, or I'm already used to moving very frequently from city to city, mm. uh, having very few roots, as it were. So, you know, it was just more of the same, only in a different country. So I had to, you know, learn how to navigate you know, transportation and communication and commerce and so forth. But, you know, the basic um, idea of being in, a, in an almost permanent state of dis- displacement did not change. Um, and I've learned to become comfortable in that ambiguity. It does get old and very exhausting. Mm. But... Um, I, I, I guess I, I write out of that sense of transience as well. Uh, I, it's a good um, it's a good way to to view our existence as well. Um, people sometimes get very comfortable with things as they are, but nothing stays as it is. Um, so I think it's a very useful heuristic to view the world with uh, nothing is stable. But of course, I, I must mention as well that I, I, I believe I found my people finally in, in, in the poets. Um, I feel that truly these are the people that I consider my people. Um, I, as a teenager, I wanted nothing more than to be accepted by, by the cool kids uh, no, I, I didn't really want that, and I and I'm glad that didn't happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but now I I think about my my life, and I feel yes, those people that ask those questions and are you know the weird uh, misfits that see the world in wondrous ways and recombine all the um, trivia and, and pain that that and confusion that they feel into something new. Those are my people. Mm. I I think have well it's not a, an extremely similar experience but I have at the very least a very similar appreciation for the poetic community um, in that I 
do feel the same way that these are people who are searching for answers and searching to, um, I don't know, convey their experiences um, in very specific and unique ways and yeah. new ways and thoughtful ways that um, always challenge me to think on new levels. Mm. Um, I have had that experience in encountering your work. Um, I've had that experience in encountering a number of poets work from, you know, our specific poetic community here in Vancouver, a larger one in Canada, etc. Um, but I always appreciate that. And, and so I think it's a similar experience um, for me in that though I've been rooted in one specific physical space, my most of my life, you know, I grew up in North Van, I live in Burnaby, pretty much the same thing. Um, but there was a period where I lived in Ontario. So I had to, you know, adjust a little bit to that. It's not really a huge culture shock, but it's yeah. something. Um, but I think finding a sense of community can be so important to a writer. And I don't just mean finding a sense of community in writing, yeah. It helps to have friends who are poets, yes. um, sure, yes. and it's it's nice to bounce ideas off of them, but also just having a sense of belonging to something larger yes. um, is so important to writing, um, and this is something that I don't think is necessarily a radical thought or like I'm coming up with some great new idea, but it's something that took me a very long time to recognize, um, and so I really appreciate you you mentioning that too, and, and um, it's so true that like I, I have felt in the past year and a bit that we've all been in our houses um, or our homes, whatever shape or form they come in. Yeah. Um, I felt very isolated. Mm. Um, and yeah. so uh, it's so easy to forget that there is a writing community, that there is a sense of community beyond our front doors. Yes. Um, right. <laughs> that can be so helpful. Um, <laughs> I think that's why it was so nice going to that. That was my first reading this past week. It um, was me too for the, for like the last year and a half it was the first actual poetry event uh, and yeah. there's just that sense of communion not not just community you know that we share in which you know the reader uh, uh on the stage or you know at the mic or at the podium you know say something and and people react and you're like yes Mm -hmm. that's why we do it okay <laughs> yes you know and, and and of course you know you go you go around you say hello to people and you get to start recognizing some faces at these events um you know and in many cases they become your friends um and it's it's beautiful i love it yeah it's it's truly i think the best part of writing um and and not just writing but also reading i think is getting to know the people who write the things that you come to love is so cool. Um, I, I think that's honestly my favorite part. And that's probably why I do this podcast too, is just so that I can talk to people whose books I like. By the way, it's, um, a, it's a lovely podcast. Um, I, I, I thank you for doing it. Um, it's, um, it it's, it's a wonderful service to, um, you know, to the community. Um, so I, I hope you continue to do it. Oh, thank you. That's really kind of you. Um, yeah, I, it's been a weird relationship that I've had with podcasting in the past little bit that everybody's been at home. Um, but I think continuing to do these conversations is very helpful uh, on a selfish level in that I feel inspired by talking to people who are doing the work that I aspire to. We keep coming back to aspiration. So I guess thank you to Brandon Wint for that question at the start of the episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah, that's something that I that I um, really hope to to achieve is the the command of language and and hope for language that a lot of these people 
possess, um, I think is so cool. Um, we are sadly approaching the end of our interview. So Tolu, before we take off, we have two things we need to do. The first of which is get a question from you for my next episode's guest. Okay. Um, I think I will, um, I think I'll riff off of, um, some of our conversation today in which I'll, I'll just ask, um, okay, I'll just get straight to it. Sometimes when I write, uh, a manuscript, I sometimes wish there was something like a legend. Like sometimes you, you look at charts or maps and you have a legend that says, um, you know, if you see this, this is what it means. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you see this color, uh, this is what you should, uh, you, you, this is what should come to mind. Um, and I feel that when I read books in which I have no way in or in which I have no, um, connection to at least the speaker or in which I have no um, key with which I can uh, access the work, it becomes very opaque to me. Uh, and it, it's difficult to create a connection to the work. And, and, and so I often wish I could, uh, you know, add a legend to my books in which I say, um, as you enter this book, this is what would be nice for you to know about me uh, mm -hmm. and about my experience that helps you uh, access these uh, images, um, helps you um, situate the poems in, in, in space and time. Um, and helps you get more of it. So it's not an it, it's not an abstract object by any means. It, it may appear abstract, but it comes from a place that you would appreciate more if you knew mm -hmm. these things. So I, I believe my question is, you know, using that sense of a legend to a chart or a map, what is the way in to your poetry? Ah, okay. I like this. Um, Tolu, you may know, if you've listened to a past episode, that uh, I do a really mean thing now where I turn the question around and ask you. <laughs> so, Tolu, what is the way into your poetry? Uh, I think I, I already perhaps made reference to it. Um, I, I believe that Yes, humans are all fundamentally unique, but I, I believe that there is, um, there is a grand similarity in, in the way humans are across millennia. And I feel that the experiences of one person, um, it's a hypothesis, by the way, but the experiences of one person might be extrapolatable to mm. um, to something more than that one person if that one person um, was faithful to the vision or if they enabled you to um, to see things in a different way so I, I, I so 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 I guess the way in is I'm a person like you um and i have felt these things but i i, I and i've thought these things 
but I feel and think these things because of um yeah some cosmic accidents or some non-accidental um, uh, uh, things that happened but um the sum total of human history and person uh, uh, and the way it interacts or, or collides with personal experience and characteristics is what gets you this perspective if you swap out the variables and control for chance, you might get similar results. Mm. Uh, so that's that's the hypothesis where we're we're not so different, um, um, and that's how I approach life. Uh, and, and I feel it, it it does engender a lot of empathy, in which you know you get to uh, consider other ways of thinking and seeing and being. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is very cool uh, and a very interesting way of approaching your work too because as I said I think there are aspects of your work that at times as a reader I feel I need to look up a word or I, I need to try to better understand a specific situation but as you said there's another level and another space where I think if you come to this book and many others too as a reader who is open to connecting on some basic human level, uh, not even basic, actually, it can be a very complicated human level in a lot of these poems, Um, but connecting on that level, um, then this book and many others of its sort are very enriching as a reader. Uh, And so I really like this, the way that you explain that. I I think that's such a cool way of approaching your work. And I hope that if you haven't read this book yet, uh, and you do intend to, then you keep this in mind as you approach Tolu's book, because it, it can be so cool. And it is so cool. Um, And I think I wish I had approached it that way initially, uh, and come into it seeking that level of connection um, that that you're speaking of there. Thank you, Andrew. our last task today, Tolu, before we take off, is to get you to read one final poem for us. All right. Um, the final poem I'm going to read is um, related to the cover image. Uh, the cover image is of a plaque from the ancient Dunin kingdom, uh, which was um, looted uh, and almost destroyed in um, 1897 by the British Empire and in that expedition um, thousands of people were killed and a lot of the art in the Abba's palace was um, expropriated was uh, was was stolen simply put uh, and you find a lot of these pieces in museums around the world Mm-hmm. Um, and the history of the British project in many parts of the world is uh, punctuated by, is characterized by a lot of the treachery with which they dealt. Um, and um, it's, a, it's a painful part of my history as a West African that I think about a lot. Um, and so I'm just going to read the poem, a uh, fragment, 1897, uh, The Sakin of Benin. I am over Ramwan, so I should know how bronze plaques are secretly brass, made of a wax mold 
a heat-proof core shaped into story. Melt in the soft within, let dry and polish for the royal rafters. I cast this dirge plaque myself. A half millennium of wax was lost in the siege. Brass smelted from the sentient Manila's smuggling treacherous spurs. Bini has been anviled by Maxim gun tracks into this tapestry of three bows. The dirt in the mouth center, a basin console foot on the headstool, chiefs who could not look in suicide from the tree. The guerrilla path I came to treat on has been stunned by exhumed ivory from my ransom grave. Marine jackboots punished pride 1200 times. A taxidermied republic of widows behind. In relief, a lament on the breached earthen wall. Questions are omens striking hammers from the plain. I am a Voramwen, so I should know to beware the British Baron, a treaty of trade and friendship, and that punitive expeditions are secretly coups d'etat, chances to decant my bronze into Brussels auctions and London museums. Another ruby for Pax Britannia's gleaming crown of blood. Hurrah for the Royal Nitro Company. Finish my plaque for me. Shine it and set it on this dust from which Benin has never risen. Very cool. Um, Tolu, thank you so much for that poem. Thank you so much for your time today and the other poems and your thoughtful responses to my questions. Um, I really appreciate all of it. So thank you so much for being here virtually this morning. Thank you, Andrew, for your very uh, insightful questions that uh, provoked uh, some answers, some unexpected answers for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I found it to be very uh, soothing and very um, uh very stimulating and, and a very pleasant conversation. So thank you, Andrew. So there you have it. That was me chatting with Tolu Olorontoba. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, I've really enjoyed thinking through a lot of things around spirituality and writing, writing as a practice, um, writing as something that can be very, very joyful and also something sorrowful at times. And so um, a lot of these things have stemmed from my conversation with Tolu. So Tolu, thank you for your generous responses um, and helping me think through these things, both directly in the episode and indirectly after that. Um, if you are listening, I hope you picked up on these things in addition to maybe anything else you picked up from the episode. Um, and if you are enjoying what I'm doing here, even though it's been kind of irregular lately and not uh, consistent posting, it's super easy to make it official. All you have to do is subscribe to the show. You can do that if you're listening through an app. Um, even on most websites, I think you can at this point. Um, if you can't, or even if you can and you want more Page Fright content, we are on Twitter at Page Fright Pod and the same handle on Instagram. Uh, where you can find some lovely headshots of the authors that I interview here, as well as some clips from the episodes every now and then, um, and sometimes some special updates, you know, that sort of thing. So give us a follow at PageFrightPod on those platforms. Um, without much else to say, I think I will sign off there and see you when I see you, hopefully pretty soon. Um, but for PageFright, of course, my name is Andrew French. I'm on Twitter at TheAndrewFrench in this right here. This has been Page Fright. Mm -hmm.